Hey, Dr. Dana Barbos with us, the Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community, a vet here in Chicago. How are you today, Doc? I'm great, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me again. Oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing. Somebody was very concerned about me because they said, Lisa, you have so much more class than using the word puke. You could have said upchuck, or you could say regurgitate, or you could say vomit. It would all sound better than puke. But, you know, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, So my dogs do this. Several people who heard the promo texted and said, wait, my dogs and cats do that too. And that is when they're going to be sick. You can have an entire house filled with tile or wood floors, but they run right to the carpet. They do. Why? They do well, nothing gets you moving faster, right, than hearing right. that noise. Like, you could be almost nearly asleep, and you will sprint across the house upon the first, like, little retching noise that you hear to try and move them off that one piece of carpet that they find. But, you know, Lisa, what's funny is it's all about, as strange as it is, it's about traction. So when animals vomit, when they puke, because puke is fine, it's a good word, um, you know, it's it, they don't like it. It's the same as us. It's not normal. Normal. It doesn't feel good. They get scared. So when they get scared, the last thing they want to do is slip and fall. So they <laughs> run over to the carpet, which is okay. It's great for you. Thank you so much. But yeah. now I have to go from being nearly asleep because that's always when this happens to to now I have to find a way to clean the carpet right at that moment because you know you've only got a few minutes to before that soaks in. <laughs> And you've got another mess to clean up. I know. It's, uh, it's, oh, and when you've got six animals in the house, you're like, no, no, it's not happening again, is it? Um, so before we get to some questions from people, could you give us a few tips on how to keep our animals safe? Because pretty soon we're going to have ice and mm-hmm. we're going to have snow. And, and then it always comes up to what's on the ground and the salt that people use if you're taking your animals on a walk. Sure, sure. I mean, this time of year, yeah, you really do have to think about what you're doing um, around your walk times to make sure everybody's staying healthy, right? Um, Luckily, dogs have fur coats built in. Wonderful. Good for Chicago. Um, So a lot of times they're comfortable being outside, and it's actually a great time to exercise those longer-haired dogs. But, yeah, the salt on our sidewalks and streets isn't the best. So the concern with the salt is two things. One, it's an irritant. So we don't walk outside barefoot in the snow, but our dogs do. So the salt on their pads can be a big irritant. So it's a great idea in the winter to think about doing some sort of wipe or cleaning pads afterwards. And, you know, it's interesting as dogs vary at how sensitive they are to it. Some dogs have just really sensitive feet, and the skin around their pads gets red and irritated really quickly. So just take a warm washcloth when you get in and just do a quick wipe. Just diluting it and then drying off their pads will make a huge, huge difference. Uh, One thing I like to do is right when we finish our walk, we kind of do a jaunt around the yard in the snow to do a little... Because believe it or not, that rinses some of the salt away, right? And then I can just do a little wipe on the door, and we're ready and set to go. The second concern and the bigger one is eating that salt. (laughs) Now, I'd love to tell you that dogs are super smart and would never do something as silly as eat rock salt. But... Yeah. They do. So if you've ever, yeah, they do. Um, they're curious about it. I'm not sure why they go to grab it, but they do. Um, you really do want to do your best to try and stop that. Now, if they're just walking down the street and they lick the sidewalk 
and that's it. It's a, you know, a very little exposure, a little tiny ingestion. They're probably not going to have any problems with it. But if you see them go to eat like a big pile of it, cause you know how it is, the salt trucks come and most of it's spread out except for that one big pile. And they always go to that pile. So, you know, get over there, you know, continue to walk past that pile, avoid it. Or in the worst case scenario, if they get into it in the garage, if they get a lot, give your veterinarian a call because that is a very irritating substance to mouths and stomachs. And, you know, we're not going to see, like, severe consequences. No one's going to end up, you know, typically they don't get have to spend time in the hospital or, spend time or god forbid even die from it but it can make them throw up it can cause diarrhea and it can be a big problem so just do your best to avoid them eating it as much as possible perfect dr dana barbel is with us chief chief veterinary officer for the north american veterinary veterinary community and tons (laughs) of questions phone calls coming in will you hang with us for a second and we'll be back and hit you with all that absolutely let's talk to some people Okay, um, questions about goldfish, cats, dogs, you name it. But first to check on weather and traffic with Mary. <laughs> We've got questions about dogs, cats, you name it. It's one of my favorite segments. Dr. Dana Barbell has given us much of her time today, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community. And we've got a goldfish question. Can you answer this? Ooh, I can try. Let's give okay. it a whirl. Uh, they say they have a fantail goldfish. He's probably three Ooh. years old. They say he's got quite a personality. Here's your question. He sleeps okay. vertically. He'll wedge himself oh. by the heater to do this. Is this normal or is he just wacky? Um, a little bit of both. A little <laughs> bit of both. Um, so these guys actually are really cool pets. They're really, really pretty. They're a variation of goldfish that have been bred to have these wonderfully ornate tails. And they really do make good pets because they are little personality dynamos, actually. They recognize their owners. They've even been, um, people have even trained them to like do tricks, swim through hoops, literally swim through hoops. Um, so they're really fun. And a lot of times they do, um, and they actually make some aquarium accessories now to enable them to like rest on a leaf or a little hammock <laughs> to sleep. So these guys are really funny in that they do seem to quite frequently, not all of them, um, find odd places to sleep. Now, this is a new one for me. The vertical behind the heater position sort of new. But I can't say it's all that surprising given the way these little guys usually are. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, here's another one. My dog had a swollen area, upper left cheek, diagnosed oh. with a tooth abscess, two weeks of antibiotics. Yeah. It went away, dental cleaning, and then no issues. The vet was unsure, was Ooh. planning to pull a tooth. Any idea what it was or what caused it? Yeah, these are really common. It's so funny because when you mentioned upper cheek swelling, I I immediately, my brain went to, oh, time to go see the dentist, the veterinary dentist, that is. So dogs have really long, uh, really more complex and more robust rooted teeth than we do. They really are made for chewing, so really hard things. So when they get a tooth root infection, it frequently shows up by some sort of like swelling in and around their face or in their muzzle. Now, sometimes those root infections are really deep. They're between, you know, you can imagine a tooth root is essentially bone and then the jaw that's around it is essentially bone. So sometimes the bacteria that get lodged in there, it's hard to get enough of the antibiotics 
into the area to clear it up. If it cleared up after a good dental cleaning and antibiotics, I would just watch it. It may be that there's still some bacteria brewing in the area and the tooth may need to be pulled in the future, but we are finding that some of the newer antibiotics and with a more robust cleaning schedule that we can actually allow our animals to keep those teeth. So hang on to it. We never know why these happen. It's just, you know, there's bacteria in our mouths. Sometimes they end up in our teeth. Um, happens to humans, too. I've Luckily, fingers crossed, I've never had that happen. But um, it certainly happens to all of us. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that one. All right. Let's jump over and talk to Linda. Linda, thank you for hanging on. What's your question for Dr. Varble? Um, my question hi, is, is, hi, I have two male dogs, one mm-hmm. Earl, one Matt. They both are okay. neutered. Earl, okay. he does not do anything in the house. Never. Okay. Maxie, he will mark, but he oh. only does it when we are not home. If we're home or sleeping, he doesn't. If we're at okay. Work, or we leave, he will He will do it, and it's in various different areas of the home, but one of his oh. favorite spots is um, they both have their own crate, but they're never okay. kept. It's just for okay. if they want to go in there. His favorite spot will be he will mark Earl crate. <laughs> of course he will. <laughs> oh, no. Poor Earl. Poor Earl. Oh, my no. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> It's more poor so, mama because she's got to take all the blankets and all the other So stuff much in. laundry, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is interesting because we see marking behavior in spayed and neutered male and female dogs. So sometimes those with a more dominant personality um, will continue to display that behavior even if they have both been neutered and spayed and things like that. Sometimes it's also really hard to break that behavior because, unfortunately, the smell can get into a lot of our normal household things, the carpet, blankets, plastics. And then they feel like, oh, if you clean it up and it's it's starting to fade, well, now I need to mark again to make it more clear. But we as humans don't really want to live with that smell and, you know, it's, it's unsanitary. So it can be really tough. One of the things that I recommend, um, you know, you can try avoidance. So put, you know, Max in an area where you can't get to Earl's crate and see if the behavior continues. Um, But it could also be a little bit of anxiety, too. So this may be manifesting in Max very differently than Earl, just for a couple of reasons. It may just be his personality. And the fact that you do it when he's, or the fact that he does it when you're gone makes me think there's something about you being gone that's bothering him. So you may want to even consider recreate training Max, and you may be able to get him out of those habits and then introduce him back to, to being out of his crate full time. Or you may want to consider some other training techniques too. And this is a great time to talk about, you know, Training can be just a puppy thing, but it's not uncommon for older adult dogs to suddenly develop some behaviors that we need to go back to training for. So don't be afraid to go back to training with your adult dog if you're seeing some things arise that you're like, we need to figure out a way as a family to address this and make him happier and you happier too. So maybe time to break out that crate for for Max again until you can kind of get through this period. Dr. Dana Varble, the Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community, is with us. We're going to try and get through two more of these phone calls in about two and a half minutes. Um, Let's go to Chris. Chris, what's your question? 
I adopted a 12-year-old poodle mix about six weeks ago. He's a good little dog, housebroken. He's good on the leash. But he has snapped at me several times. They've all involved him next to me on the couch. I've been Mm -hmm. petting him, snapped at me. I reached over him, and he snapped at me. Once I was trying to move him over a little bit, and he snapped at me. And I don't know what's yeah, that's tough because obviously that's behavior we have to stop. You know, when you're telling me snapping is occurring in an older dog, the first thing that I would do is talk with your vet and make sure there's not some sort of pain issue there. Older dogs frequently have some osteoarthritis, and it can be in a subtle area, a neck or a back joint, that might be causing him some discomfort at the end of the day. It may also be a little bit of territorial behavior. Um You know, six weeks seems like a long time, but I often tell people that the adjustment period, especially for an older dog, can be three or four months. So some of it might be just you two learning to get along together. Mm. So I would say follow up with your vet and then maybe a little more training, too, even in a 12-year-old dog. And thank you for adopting a senior dog. That is so lovely. so much. Yeah. so good. They can make such good companions. I agree, Lisa. Okay, one last question from Claire. Claire, you've got the last question with Dr. Varble. Okay, thank you very much. This is regarding my son's dog. He is about six, seven years old. He will not poop in his backyard. He will urinate. Oh, no. My dog takes him to uh, the park two, three times a day. He'll do his business there, but he won't do it in the backyard. Oh, how stubborn is that? Wow. (laughs) Well, thanks, Claire. You know, dogs are very particular about this. And if you ever notice, there are certain areas of your, you know, there are certain areas in our yard that our dogs really preferentially use Mm -hmm. um, to, to, basically to poop and pee. So he has decided for whatever reason that that is not the pooping place. Uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, really not convenient for you guys. So again, this is kind of the theme of today has been going back to training with all these, these adult dogs. And this is going to be another one of those suggestions where you kind of have to go back to puppyhood and maybe, maybe he only likes to have, maybe he associates it with being on the leash. So maybe for starters, do a walk in the backyard unleash, which I know seems redundant, but maybe that'll get his mind around the fact like, oh, okay, this is where it happens. And try and out stubborn him. (laughs) You know, if he's waiting, if you have to take the whole day, keep stick with it. And then lots and lots and lots of treats when it finally happens. That's the key. Big celebration. (laughs) Big celebration. We so appreciate your personality and your knowledge. Thank Um, you so much. North American Veterinary Community is at NAVC.com, right? Yes, absolutely. Come by and check us out. We've got lots of big events coming up, so we're very excited to share those with everyone. Steve has your news coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. 